Can we gain inspiration from a sloth? This is Rabbi Hitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks. Growth-oriented, generally partial-related to our podcast, but this Tachlis Talk, in fact, the final Tachlis Talk of the year 5780, will not be partial-focused. Rather, as we look toward Rosh Hashanah, trying to glean some inspiration, and we are told to be able to look at the world around us and find inspiration from anything and everything. And this particular podcast is rooted in a mistaken text message that I got last night. I was having a dialogue with a woman. We'll give her a name. We'll call her Hillary. And um, Hillary was uh, sharing... I had asked her a question. She was sharing back some information related to some, I guess, kind of unfortunate potential planning in a uh, kind of crisis mode for a family member. And mistakenly, she sent me a message that was not part of our dialogue. It was a um, little cartoon image of a sloth, a very grandmotherly, stereotypical grandmotherly sloth, meaning sitting there in her robe and nightcap, kind of like a snood, uh, uh, sitting in her rocking chair and knitting a sweater. And when I commented about the knitting, Hillary sent back a message that kind of, what a shame, because whoever she's knitting that sweater for will probably outgrow it before the sweater is done. Because for those of you who are not sloth experts, sloths are known to be of the slowest moving animals. Sloths are the ones that hang upside down from trees for, I don't know, hours maybe. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, they are a distant mishpacha. They're related to the anteater. Not a pet that most people get if they're looking for that excuse to have to go for a jog in the morning. Huh, maybe if you're looking for an excuse to move really slowly in the morning, that might be the pet of choice. But sloths are slow moving. And if this is a sweater knitting sloth, it's probably going to be a very long time until that sweater is completed. And got me thinking, hey, this message came my way, just pre-Rosh Hashanah, kind of what rabbis are supposed to be doing. And I was thinking about this fact that how many of us spend time knitting away at a sweater that there's no logical reason for us to believe will ever be worn. How many of us put time and effort and energy into endeavors that we don't really anticipate will ever be productive? Okay, in a moment, if you'd ask us, of course we'd say our plan is to be productive. But if we really stop to think about it, if we were outsiders observing ourselves, what are the odds? And if, if in fact, we are plugging away at activities that are not likely to, to be productive, why are we doing that? Why do we keep knitting? Why do we keep spinning that proverbial wheel? Why don't we stop and say, whoa, wait a minute. Like, is this really the best use of my time and energy? Am I the best suited for this task? And what motivates us to just keep knitting and knitting and knitting? Nothing against knitting, by the way. But if I'd be knitting, probably unlikely any of you would ever be wearing that sweater. So it's probably not good use of my time to be knitting you that sweater. So why do we keep doing it? And again, or fill in the blank with your equivalent area that you have put in all that effort and it doesn't seem to get anywhere. 
And is it possible that we keep knitting or keep spinning that wheel? We keep doing because as long as I'm doing, I'm doing. As long as I'm you know, running and moving, I feel that, that thrill, the excitement, even if I'm not achieving. We're not measuring it based on accomplishment or lack thereof. We're gauging our success by just the very fact that we're doing and ultimately, what a tragedy. Because, hey, it's almost Rosh Hashanah, and we are looking at the fact that dominating and praying for another year, well, who gave us this year? Who gave us all of the capacity, all of the physical health, the tools, the insight, the resources, the social circles that we have, all the different elements that click together to kind of make us who we are and give us the capacity to do what we do? If that's all a gift from Hashem, am I using that gift well? So, lesson number one from our grandmotherly sloth is maybe put down the knitting needles for a little while and observe and say, hey, am I the best suited for this? Should I maybe delegate this task to somebody else and find another that is really pertinent to me? Lesson number two from this mistaken uh, text message of last night. The very concept of mistaken text messages. And again, the vast majority of our... Whoops, sent that to the wrong person. Sorry, didn't mean to include you. Uh, I forwarded replied all instead of replying to one individual, and that was a mistake. Um, pocket dial. All of our kind of um, misdirected communications. The vast majority of which are of very, very limited consequence. But there are times that it is of devastating consequence. I personally have been involved in two situations where somebody sent the communication to the wrong person that was intensely damaging. Somebody commenting about Plony, that's the Talmud way of saying John Doe, to Almoni. Someone trying to report on a major, a major issue they have with Plony and they were sharing that with Almoni, but by mistake, sent it to Plony himself. Now again, if it had been worded differently, there may have been a way to turn that into constructive criticism. But it became very evident that this was basically a character assassination that was being sent to somebody else about the recipient. That was a hole that was very difficult to dig himself out of. And in another situation where a pocket dial had, again, used Plony and Almoni, somebody had been in conversation on the phone with Plony, and then the conversation finishes, and he's schmoozing with Almoni about Plony, but didn't realize that he pocket dialed Plony again. So Plony is literally hearing a conversation happen about himself with this Almoni. It's a conversation about the phone call that was supposedly a private, confidential phone call. And that's being shared with Almoni, another hole that was very difficult to be dug out of. In fact, probably has never been fully dug out of. A reminder, these mistaken, and again, sometimes comical, with often, in this case, uh, allowed me to share a podcast about a sloth. But the, the need for us to recognize that our communications are often going to be of far more consequence than we realize. Our comments ultimately 
maybe far more uh, travel, far further than we would like. And to be that much more mindful of should I be saying what I'm saying about so-and-so? Is it appropriate for anybody to hear these words? And if so, am I very cautious as to who is hearing what about whom? There are limited cases, very limited cases, where what would typically be Lashon Hara is warranted by the Torah, is mandated by the Torah. But if we're in a context anything other than those exact cases, then it falls back to being Lashon Hara with all of the negative spiritual and, and sometimes social and uh, family-breaking repercussions. So let's be mindful as we're in a world that is going to continue the spread where we're, the ability for words to go around the world and back instant, instantly is just going to be more and more part of our lives. To be that much more attentive to what we are saying about others in any context, recognizing maybe, maybe, maybe. And of course, everybody thinks as I send a message, of course I'm careful, of course I only send messages where I should. But we don't know. You don't know who's forwarding our, our words. And just having this attitude that, you know what, if I'm only saying good things about people, I have very little concern about how it's spreading. If I'm only saying things that are positive, only things that are enlightening, only things that are inspiring about life in general, if it gets sent to the wrong person, no big deal. So let's be the type of people who are going to be able to talk positively and be legitimately confident that there's no problem with our words getting to the wrong address. Combine that with being the type of people who occasionally put down those knitting needles to ponder is this project going the way it should? Is this project a project that should go anywhere? Am I determining that I am heading in a good direction? Studying to know what is good and studying ourselves to know if we are getting there, should we be putting further effort in direction A, delegating project B, becoming the type of people who are, instead of spinning those wheels we talked about, actually getting to a legitimate destination. These elements can combine to make us very unsloth-like, pardon to any of you sloth-loving fans out there, but becoming the type of people who can be driven toward legitimately aspiring to achieve Eratachlis.